ready for another episode of Wanderings and Wool Gathering? Good. Here's Foggy. Welcome to Wanderings and Wool Gathering, episode 70. Proudly hosted by North Central Indiana's Rock 98.5. Tonight, we run it back with Misheard Lyrics, the wife edition. If you heard Don't Want to Be Your Pizza Burning or Big Old Jet Had a Light On, this episode's for you. We also tackle an experience 20 years since the first. Metallica's latest release, Symphony and Metallica 2. A beautiful marriage of classical music and metal from the legends that are Metallica. I'm your host, Foggy, and joining me this evening is JPP. Easy listening sounds for the hard of hearing. It's JPP. Greetings. Greetings, my friend. <laughs> hello, and joining hello. us is Metalhead Money. Step inside into his mind. It's boy band time. It's Metalhead Monday. As always, what's up? What is happening? Now, I want to hear that voice again. What, his or mine? Yours. <laughs> what's up? I'm Metalhead Monday. <laughs> I want the whole show in that. <laughs> well, we get very monotone after a while, let me tell We've you. We've never gone after the robot uh, market. Maybe we need to do that. We should. We certainly should. We may we may get some uh, nice um, ratings, or we could get some reinterpretations of our show. Um, I'll send you guys a link later, but I found a very funny a, a robot basically reviewed the movie Grease. It was hilarious. Huh. If I hear, tell me schmork, tell me schmork one more time, I'm going to lose my damn mind. <laughs> <laughs> schmork from Org? Yeah, it was pretty funny. If we're going for the robot demo, I'll be sure and work on my Bender impression. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do that one. That one's tough. That guy is uh, great. Joe DiMaggio. Or I'm Joe DiMaggio. It's John. He's pretty good, it? too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Isn't it John? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Hey, real quick before we get started, uh, I think in our last episode we said, "Hey, we're going to review the killers," and then we didn't. So, just wanted to kind of lightly touch on that. Um, you know, of course, with everything going on in the world, it gets a little crazy, and sometimes stuff falls through the cracks. So, here's my 20 second review. I enjoyed it, but I don't remember anything after that. It was, it was, it just kind of slipped out of my mind. But overall, I'm going to give it a, a three. End of story. Well. I absolutely hated it. Um, <laughs> I, re- I, know, I really felt like I was going to be a Debbie Downer on the episode if we actually did uh, it. Yeah. But um, And I think I told you there, it made me feel like Coldplay was this hard rocking band. Um, I feel like he just sat back and he went to his garage band presets and picked a couple of beats and was like, that's dope. And then let's make a song about it. Um, I don't know. I didn't enjoy it. I felt like, it just never took off. There was no depth, gravity. I don't know what it was. Mm-hmm. It just seemed like fluff, and it just flew by me, and I didn't grab on. So, And it could have been where I was at the time, personally, but I will never, yeah. ever listen again. One. I, don't, I really liked the first couple of songs, but after that, it just kind of fell off and was not memorable at all, But which is a shame because I absolutely love their first album, and uh, I like their second album. But, uh, I mean, I've seen them live. They're amazing. But I honestly haven't really followed them much since then. So checking back in with them now, it was, I was a little underwhelmed. <laughs> no. What was your score? Um, 
I mean, honestly, I probably wouldn't have went higher than a two because I it just yeah, there wasn't a lot there for me. The first couple songs were great. After that, just kind of it mm-hmm. fell off a cliff. I was being generous for sure, you know. Um, I felt like. I thought I heard the lyric of cigarette in there again. It's like, he seems like he likes to write about cigarettes and, and all of his songs <laughs> in some fashion. So yes, that was, it, it stuck out. That was in the last song, I think, except for the, the first time I listened, it was the one, I don't know if it was a theatrical release or whatever, but it had that last song that was from the movie or the show or whatever it was. And it had just the dialogue and I thought, Oh my God, it's Florida again. <laughs> I expected people to start drinking out of Coke bottles with straws. <laughs> so there we've, we've done our due diligence we we promised we would review it and there you have it the the abridged <laughs> version folks moving on now i did uh yesterday i went to indianapolis to the imax to watch tenant mm. and i think we should do a show on tenant and we could just talk about time travel and all of the issues that arise with time. I think we spent the entire hour drive back talking about the what ifs, what happened, what does this mean of the movie? Wow. It's very interesting. You guys should check it out and we should talk about it. How was your theater experience, by the way? Let me ask that real quick. uh, It was great. I mean, they did a wonderful job of keeping people apart. Uh, The theater was probably, I don't know, 10 to 20% full. We were separated a lot. Um, we, of course, made sure that we had our our seats like prime location in the middle because mm-hmm. uh, you have to if you want to see all bits of the screen at the same time. So, of course, um, it was a great experience and they handle it really well. Good, good deal. That's awesome. So, is that? Do you think that was like? Do you think that is the tentpole movie that? like the studio thought it was going to be like, it, you know, that's, that's the movie to bring everyone back into the theaters and all that and save no. the cinemas. <laughs> I do not. But you know what? I love Kenneth Branagh. He was the bad guy. He was wonderful. Okay. Yeah. Um, Denzel Washington's son was fantastic. Robert cool. Pattinson was great. Yeah. There were just situations where I felt like, oh this is an info dump oh there's an info dump it just one after the other and then when it gets rolling it's very entertaining it's interesting the concept is cool but it brings up a lot of those i'm not sure about this time travel moments so but but it's so worth talking about that i think it's a movie that everybody should watch interesting so that so they had uh, several uh basil exposition characters like in austin powers <laughs> but they didn't drink any coffee turd tea or whatever it was it was yeah hello i'm um, basil exposition <laughs> a bit nutty but michael kane did make an appearance of course because um it's a christopher nolan movie yeah. you gotta say it it right was, you have to sound like you're saying my cocaine michael kane michael kane right. <laughs> hello i'm michael kane that's right yeah interesting very interesting movie i think if you liked inception uh, I think you'll like this. There were some very cool moments seen. Like they were, I think the way that they shot them were really interesting and the thought behind them was really cool. So awesome. Definitely so, worth a go. Yeah. Did you hear about speaking of, we'll, we'll move on quickly, but did you hear about the new mutants? People saying, you know, whether or not to risk going out to see it. Heard it's getting the, terrible reviews. Yeah. Well, apparently uh, the comics co-creator, Bob McLeod or McLeod, what, how do you say his last name? I don't care. It's actually, I think it's McLeod. McLeod. McLeod yeah. yeah. They, they uh, had a typo in his name in the credits. 
Yes, I did hear that too. That's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I still so. want to see it because I have to. Yeah, I yeah, I'm still very curious as well. I want to see the uh, magic, the Ilyana Rasputin. Mm-hmm. I want to see that character. I'm very interested to see how they do that. And uh, Wolf, Wolf Spain, yeah, yep. Wolf Spain. Same here. So yeah, I don't know. Have you seen it yet? You haven't gone out, Jeremy? Oh no. Uh. Uh-uh. Okay. No. We need to make a trip. I'm not. Because it lasts long. Yeah. I don't know about going to the theater. I'm not. I don't know if I'm there yet. <laughs> My son went, and it is a mandatory wear your mask the whole time, and they keep yeah. it pretty separated. So I feel like it might be okay. Yeah. yeah. We're probably going to go to a drive-in event sometime in October. There's a, kind of a special perk package we're trying to take advantage of, but we'll see. And let's not forget, there's not going to be anybody there anyway. You might have the theater to yourself. He went on the opening <laughs> night, True. and I don't think there's anybody there. So, Oh, to see New Mutants? Yeah. All right. You ready Sorry. to get after it, boys? Yeah, hopefully, if you fast-forwarded to this point, okay, we're ready to get started. <laughs> <laughs> it's or, been a couple of weeks. We're catching up. That's right. We don't get out much. It feels really weird to have that time in between, because we were going weekly plus minisodes, so mm-hmm. we were hitting it. Hard and fast there for a while, right? All right. I just can't wait for the uh, election episode. That is going to be really exciting. <laughs> We're going to be on here for twelve hours straight, capturing yeah. every bit of election news live stream. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> just just in, Senator just snorted pasta. Oh wait, just eating fast. He was on break. Go on. All right. Well, hey, tea bags. This week had the Lester Banks challenge, and um. I'm taking over. T-Bags is not with us. He was unable to attend tonight, as was the educator, Joe Reif. He had a chance to sneak away with his wife. So uh, hope they're having a great weekend. So instead of doing the typical, what band is this? I found, I purchased this last, uh, well, it's actually from a long time ago, or the picture is. Can you see this, guys? Mm-hmm. I bought this yeah. simply for the cover. Yeah. It's my favorite Corey mask. But anyway, so... This was. Um, I thought that was Rock the pit of Sound Sarlacc magazine. coming up there. Oh, okay, I see it now. I thought it was the pit of Sarlacc. From that big trailer. Yeah, that's right. Oh, thanks yeah. for that. <laughs> I guess his eye thing there kind of does look like that. But anyway, <laughs> so this was the 250th issue, and it was like a commemorative issue, and they put Corey on the cover. Sweet. And so what they did is they went back and they chose the 250 top albums. From 1999 on. Nice. So it wasn't 250 albums from Slipknot, because I was like, I've got some catching up to do. New. <laughs> and so what I'm going to ask you guys to do, and I'm going to ask anybody who's listening, since we're going to pause briefly, and this is the challenge to the two of you. Which one of you, you're going to write down 10 albums from 1999 oh. until now. There's no way you're going to get the top I guarantee you're not going to come close to the top 10. If you can find any in the top 25, the most in the top 25, you win the challenge. So write down 10 albums, top 25 from 1999. And these are all hard rock or just rock in general? Well, this is a, it's pretty much hard rock, but it's, it's not metal. Mm -hmm. Um, It kind of encompasses all rock. So, I mean, you've got the new metal stuff in here. You've got, Um, just a little bit of everything. Cool. I'm going to mute so I can scribble. I don't want to have a dramatic effect. Here. I don't even. Keep going. I don't I'm going to cut this out when we get going anyway. 
I can't even think of ten albums like the titles and all of that. Well, if you just name the, the group, even just name the bands. Which bands? From ninety nine, from ninety nine till now. Mm-hmm. Oof. I'll wow. give you a couple of clues. Number one on this list is an album that I absolutely love, but I'm a little ashamed of myself for loving so much. <laughs> okay. Number two, all of us love. Huh. Number three, nope. Number four, maybe. <laughs> Number five, uh, maybe. Number six, me. Seven, none of us. <laughs> no, it's really weird. I mean, it is an eclectic mix. Yeah, because I feel like 2001 on, my music journey was interrupted by college yeah. quite a bit. So, and you had I'm young just... ones at home. So, yeah, that really. Oof. Number one band, Monday. Uh, probably Radiohead because I don't like them. Nope. <laughs> you are correct. Nobody likes them. No, I'm just, some people <laughs> like them. I'm not sure why, but they do. Mm. Paul? Given the era, I, I don't really know, but I'm thinking probably something along, along the lines of like a Sum 41 or a Blink 182. Well, that's two bands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll, say, first? I'll say Blink. Okay. Blink 182 <clears throat> did come in at number seven. Boom, hey, boom. Hey. Oh, one to nothing, Paul. I'm putting it down. Nice. Paul, Jeremy, one. Okay. Next one. Next band, Jeremy. Uh, Lincoln Park. Lincoln Park is number two. Yeah. Uh, now, can you name the album? I would guess Hybrid Theory. Boom! Monday mm-hmm. scores one. That's when I said definitely. That makes sense. Yeah. Hey, Paul. Um, how about uh, Sum Forty One? Sum Forty One is on there, but I don't believe it's a top. Let's see if it made the twenty-five. It's definitely in there somewhere. Well, I guess I should ask you this. Did you have um, Lincoln Park? I did. You did? Okay, so where did you have that? Uh, I had that more towards the bottom of my list because I was racking my brain. Yeah, I'm going to give it That's... to you. Some 41 is in there, but it's later. Okay. Yeah, I didn't write these down in order. I just you wrote have, down just 10 gonna... bands. You're the, <laughs> you're the top 25 and giving it to you. Cool. All right, Monday, you're up next. Uh, Rage Against the Machine. Nope. Damn. Paul? I'm going to go with Postal Service. Nope. Okay. Jeremy? Uh, Nine Inch Nails. Nope. Wow. Yeah, I'm surprised. I had them too, but uh, uh, John Mayer. Nope. <laughs> Yuck. We're starting to put together what this mu- or what this magazine likes. Monday. Mm-hmm. Avril Lavigne. Avril, no. You nope. said angsty pop, and that was, <laughs> I was yep. like, oh. You'll get <laughs> it when I read them. <laughs> yep. Well, not, that's not all angsty, but it's definitely poppy in a lot of ways. All right, Paul. Let me go get a bar of soap. <clears throat> Nickelback. No. Everybody hates, even this magazine hates Nickelback. <laughs> Money. Uh, Metallica. Nope. That's a, sur- that's a shocker. Yep. Um, let's see. Smashing Pumpkins? Nope. No, they were all, their best was 90s for sure. Yes, for sure. 
Monday? Slipknot. Number which one? Uh, well, let's see. I would say probably Iowa. It's incorrect. I'm still going to give it to you because I like your spirit. <laughs> it was self-titled with number six. Uh, uh, Iowa was like 52 or later. It was, you know. Funny, because I had self-titled. Did you really? <laughs> I did. Oh, way to go. <laughs> it is great. All right, Jeremy. Uh, Marilyn Manson. Nope. Paul. Ben Folds 5. Nope. Jeremy. Killers. Nope. <laughs> Even this magazine has tape. <laughs> no, I, I agree with you, though. I like Killers. I don't know what happened. Yeah. Yeah, Paul? I already mentioned some 41, yes. You did? Okay. And uh, they're not in there? No, they were da- a little bit down. Okay, got it. All right. Um, already get slipped on. And you mentioned Corn Monday? Some no, 41, by the way, was 31, Paul. What is it? Some 41 was uh, came out at number 31. Okay, so I was close, but not close enough. Corn. Nope. All right. That Maybe. was the last one I had was corn, too. Okay, so that was your 10. Paul, you have one more? Um, no, that was it, because he's overlapped with me with Tool and Avril. And okay, so, Paul, you win. <laughs> Finally, we found something that beat Monday. It was a crappy magazine list of <laughs> top 250 that beat Monday. I felt like I, I was greater than the curves. That's how I won. Yeah, I can't. I, I can't argue with the crappiness. Okay, you ready? I'm going to go ten to one. Number ten, bring me the horizon. Sympaternal. Mm. Number nine, panic at the disco. Okay. Love them. Love yeah. them. Number eight, Fallout Boy. I like them. Yeah. Number <laughs> seven, Blink One Eighty Two. Somebody had six was Slipknot. Five was Green Day, American Idiot. Oh, I should have known. Great album. Mm-hmm. Four is Paramore, right? Interesting. Really? Yeah, Paramore shows up like three times in the top 50. Hmm. Number three, 21 Pilots, Blurry Ugh. Face. Hmm. Yeah, I like the last one, but I don't get that one. Number two, yeah. Linkin Park, Hybrid Theory. Number one is My Chemical Romance, The Black Parade. Which huh. I said, I love that album. Just... I love it a little too much to be a male. I call okay. media bias. <laughs> uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So, Paul, you wear the crown tonight. I'm excited. Yeah. Well, go get me my uh, cardboard cardboard BK crown. I'll wear it proudly for the rest of the day. How many I'm points gonna... did you get? Two. Three. Three. You I would say I got two. <laughs> <laughs> I lost count. You know, just going to show where my mind went with these two because we're like going through all this, you know, our stuff. But we, we're experiencing a generation gap, folks. We are. It's really weird. But I need to go get a scoop of vanilla ice cream for my slice of humble pie. <laughs> <laughs> so I think what we need to remember for the future is we need to get obscure magazines if we want to beat Monday. Yes. Noted. Might work. <laughs> No yep. kid. All right. Well, next week we'll let uh, Tony come back for Lester Bang, a real Lester Bangs challenge. Nice. All right, Monday. You issued the challenge for us last week. Why don't you remind everybody and we'll jump right in? I did. I did. Okay. So basically, um, yeah, this is a challenge that uh, you needed to involve either your wife or family member. But, uh, I wanted you to take a song that you really enjoy that may have some hard to understand lyrics 
and play that song for your family member and have them write down what they think the lyrics are. And then we will compare. All right. Just playing Paul. You ready? Yeah. Yeah. I so what did you wrong. do? Well, I did it wrong is what I did. Uh, it's been a hectic <laughs> week. You know, you know what? I'm taking away your crown. I'm giving it back to Monday. Uh, what else is new? <laughs> at least he plays along. Yeah. Well, at least I didn't pull with tea bags. <laughs> Anyhow. <laughs> That's gross. Yeah. Don't ever say pull with tea bags. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. So, no, sorry for the nasty fart sound. It was just my splat. Um, so what I did, because I couldn't think of anything for I didn't want her to have her write it down because she's been crazy busy, too. So I, I went up to her and said, OK, Monday gave us a challenge. Here's the deal. Uh, I'm going to play a song for you and I need you to see if you can understand the lyrics. And now the the caveat of this is it's in a foreign language. So what I told her to do is listen to it and see if you hear anything that remotely sounds like it's in English because my, our uh, hometown friend, Mr. Little and I used to listen to the song quite a bit. And we, there was a part that we always found funny and she caught on to it pretty quickly. The song is called Gabriel Einer Nation by Leibach. And oh, wow. <laughs> first heard of this band through a wax tracks, uh, black box compilation. Yeah. Found the CD at uh, karma records when I was on a field trip down to a TV station for my vocational class and picked it up for five bucks. And, I know they're not your thing, but I enjoy the hell out of them. They're just, they're crazy. Yeah, so, I can never get into Leibach, man. It's just a little too left to center for me. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. But that's kind of what I enjoyed about it, is the fact that it was very theatrical and they pulled it off so interestingly to me. So there's there's a lot of lyrics, and, and I'll put a link so you can put it in the show notes. And I, I challenge you guys to listen to it just because it's, it's funny to hear. And it's like, it looks like it's dead serious, but it, it seems to be pretty deadpan and, and a parody. But um, I'll read you uh, the first two uh, verses, basically. Ein Mensch, ein Ziel, und eine Weisung, ein Hörs, ein Geist, und eine Losing, ein Brennen, dirt glute. Ein goat, ein light build. So that's verse one. Did you say so, dirt glute? Yeah, it's, it's dirt glute, D-E-R-G-L-U-T. But he says dirt glute in the song. And so she says dirt glute? Oh, yeah, that's you know. Then ein flash, ein butte, ein broader globe, ein roof, ein traum, ein starker wille. And then he starts shouting, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, for those that may be privy to this language, I'm sorry, I'm butchering it. I'm just doing the best I can here. But then he says, get me and light build. But the way he so- says it, it sounds like he says, get me a light beer. <laughs> She's like, get me a light beer. I'm like, All right, you got it. So that was the fun we had with it because you can't understand the lyrics anyway. And she, she sings songs from the radio pretty much from heart. So I knew it was going to be a challenge for me to find something for her to butcher in our own native tongue. So I went that route. That's pretty hilarious. At first, I thought you were talking about Berserker from Clerks. <laughs> Did he just say making? <laughs> Give the light beer. That is funny. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, listen to it for yourself and see see how you uh, like the presentation of that line for sure. Yeah, give <laughs> us the link. Uh, I will check it out. <laughs> cool. That's pretty good. How did she handle it when you played it for? Her? She just laughed. She's like, "Get me a light beer." <laughs> so, so she did hear it. Yeah. Yep. Okay. That's cool. That's the key. There is that everybody hears the same thing. Yeah. Exactly. Now somebody in Europe may hear something completely different, and understand, and you know we may be insulting them by laughing at it, but it just sounds funny to me. 
We'll just rack that up to dumb Americans. Yeah. <laughs> Story of my life. Rammstein makes me want to learn German. Yeah. I always hear their songs are like super dirty. Yeah. yeah they're super dirty. <laughs> <laughs> it's like WAP, but Rammstein version. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. Okay, so I I struggled mightily with this because Marianne's a hater, first of all. So when you texted me and said you had to do two because she just laughed at one, I was like, I really want to know what this is. <laughs> she made fun of it. <laughs> so, oh, but anyway, so the reason I picked the first one is because I used it last time when we did this for our version, and so it was wait and bleed. And it sounds like he said, you know, inside Michelle, <laughs> this person named Michelle. And it was just weird for a long time until I figured it out. But so I started to play the song and then she starts to mock the song. And then luckily my daughter sitting across the room says, okay, all I heard was something about Michelle. And I was like, yes, we did it. Somebody got it. Yeah. So she thought it was Michelle too. So. <laughs> Um, so anyway, I said, all right, fine. You know, she didn't want to play along with that. So I know she likes Pearl Jam. So we pulled out Yellow Lead Better, which oh, not yeah. only does That's, have yeah. <laughs> incomprehensible lyrics, but they change based on when he plays it, where he plays it, and all that kind of thing. So I started playing. We went through the first part, and she was writing the lyrics down. And, of course, she was nowhere close to what the lyrics were because – unless you look up the meaning and you look up parts of the song, you just have no idea. And he, it, he's known to mumble, but this is ridiculous. And then if you throw in the Elizabethan uh, pronunciation of the first word, it throws it off even more. She's like, he didn't say unstealed. And I'm like, unstealed. Like it's Elizabethan or it's a Catholic church. We're going to drag this out as long as we can. And, uh, so the the line unsealed on a porch a letter sat then you said I want to leave it again and then it goes on and you know you'll have to go listen to the song if you want but she wasn't even close but it did prompt her to go look up the song figure out what was going on who Ledbetter was and um, my favorite line from the song is are you guys pretty familiar with it. I haven't heard it in a while, but yeah, it's I'm been familiar. a minute, but yeah, I am familiar. Yeah. So one of the, the lines that I love is I don't know whether I'm the boxer or the bag. So I always kind of love that. Am I the, the person, you know, with the impetus here or is it happening to me? But then sometimes he sings it where it's more of a war related song where I'm going to come home in a box or a bag and he changes it. So it's kind of an interesting song in that respect. But um, and so I think she kind of likes it for that. She sucked. She didn't play my game right, and she didn't get these three together. I wish you would have videoed her mocking it. That would have been entertaining. Yeah, yeah mock a person uh, in a tub, slitting their wrists. Okay. Funny song. <laughs> Man, I wheezed. I'm sorry. <laughs> so anyway, not, not what we were hoping, but interesting all the same. Yes. Yeah. All right. I can't wait to see what Lacey did. Okay, so yeah, this was pretty awesome because I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And then I was like, man, I think I'm just going to pick a Lamb of God song. Oh, man. Because <laughs> I love Randy. I love oh, yeah, Randy. Right. 
But yeah, sometimes, I mean, you know, there are some songs that are clearer than others. And I went ahead and I picked one of my favorites. I picked uh, 512, mm. which, which he wrote about his time in the prison overseas for all that bull crap. Crazy. Yeah. But uh, it starts out with there's a spoken word thing. And I told her not to worry about that. So I, so I did like the, I wanted her to do the first verse, bridge and chorus. And it took forever because she would like listen to a line and pause it and try to figure out what it said and then go back tense and listen to it again, try to write it down. And then she kept pausing it and going back and pausing it and going back. And it took, took a long time. It was funny. So uh, I guess I can do the uh i'll do the verse and then i'll read what she wrote and then bridge and what she wrote and all that so i'll go back and forth so the first verse <laughs> i love the first word right out of the gate i knew she would have trouble with because the the first line is lycanthropic survival <laughs> instincts <laughs> <laughs> and uh and then embrace the beast and shun the weak. Awake the primal one that sleeps inside or feel the shiver running through your spine. Hi, shiver. So she wrote. <laughs> I can't wait to see what she got uh, for lycanthropic. <laughs> oh, no, not even. She wrote cluck in bra bag. <laughs> so I won't let science. Embrace the pigs on Sean all week. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. I'm going to have Marianne follow up with this one just to see what she comes up with. And I will oh, get back. Man. It's it so good. <laughs> That's brilliant. And, and then the bridge is uh, the time is <laughs> slipping by. No peace in sight. But the teeth of time still hold their bite. And she wrote... <laughs> A week the 50196 insane <laughs> or fill the cellar running through your side. <laughs> now, how many times did she listen through like each of these parts? Uh oh, a ton. A ton. Okay, so that, okay. that was okay. just the that was the first part of the bridge. Then she wrote, Yeah, okay. So the next line was, but the teeth of time still hold their bite. She said. What comes sweeping by, oh, basic sight, going to take all night, so hold them right. <laughs> Man, so apparently we speak fluent cookie monster vocabulary. Yeah, and, yeah know, that's we, what I'm finding out. That's amazing. So then the chorus is, my hands are painted red, my future's painted black, I can't recognize myself, I've become someone else, my hands are painted red, my hands are painted red. And he holds that one. So she wrote, my hands are plain and gripped. <laughs> and then for the one where he says, my future's painted black, she just wrote, my she said it sounded like Animal from the Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> and then she actually finished strong. She said, I can't recognize myself. I've become someone else. My hands are painted red. My hands are painted red. <laughs> She started to understand. That's funny. But what is hilarious is then when you go back and listen to the song and read along with her lyrics, a lot of it Makes sounds sense. pretty close. It really does. 
It really does. Oh, that's I, hilarious. Hamana, Hamana, Hamana is my favorite part, though. <laughs> <laughs> Not it, it says, I can't eat it. Kantru Minahamanaha. <laughs> I want a t-shirt that says that with the Lamb of God logo now. We're going to do that wanderings and wool gathering on the back. That's what it's going to say. <laughs> so, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> we were she was a great up. sport. That's awesome. Yeah. We're not laughing at her. We're laughing with her. No, okay. I'm applauding her okay. brilliance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I did not look up who has the challenge next week. I think we switch over. It might be Paul. Yeah, I, I, I'll have to do some homework and get back to you because I didn't think about it. Well, we have a week, so. Yeah. I think listeners, just know gnats. someone will have a challenge. Yeah. I have these stupid gnats buzzing around me. I don't know where they're coming from, but they keep getting in my house. And I suggest a shower? Flying around my face. Did you bring fruit in? No. 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 I don't know where they're coming from. <laughs> it's the time of year. Yep. They're a sign well, of the apocalypse. They're, they're the subtle. Inconvenience. As, uh, of the signs we've received so far, I'd say that one's pretty subtle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mothers have slapped us in the face. Well, let's get on with it. We got a, we have an album to talk about. Yeah. And we're not going to call it S&M, too, because if my kids at school ever listen, I don't want them to think I'm listening to S&M. We're listening to <laughs> Symphony and Metallica. That's right. Fantastic. Two great tastes that taste great together. It's like peanut butter and jelly. Chocolate and peanut butter. Yeah, I'm um, glad you guys uh, uh, were up for the suggestion when we decided we weren't going to do the killers. You know, I was like, uh, hey, this dropped. We could do that. So, I mean, yeah, I was, was really excited. excited to talk about the killers. I mean, <laughs> it was so good. And I really wanted to talk about that other than this brilliance of... Uh, Symphony and metal and goodness that we got. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, this record is obviously it's very much like the last one, but it seems like it maybe took another step, got yes. a little better produced. They kind of fell into the groove a little better, but man, mm. so good. I've listened continuously since I started. I think I even started texting early in the week. I was just blown away. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But absolutely loved every bit of this album yeah that's the first uh symphony metallica came out and i didn't realize it was 99 yeah it was yeah so uh i think you know i think the song choice uh is much stronger on this one and i do agree with you like the production i it sounds better um I, I really I wanted to see like the songs that they did uh, again on this one. I, I kind of I compared a couple of them and they did they make some changes to the arrangements, so that was kind of cool. Um, the newer versions I like much better. Um, but yeah, there's just some several songs on the first one that I thought didn't really work that well. I, Fuel was the big standout for me. I, I hate that version <laughs> on the first one, so I'm glad they didn't, you know, revisit mm-hmm. that. <laughs> but a, a lot of the songs I think they chose for this one are uh, longer songs, so there's more room, there's more to work with, and. Uh, there's a lot of really good um, 
dynamics and stuff. So it is really cool to see their song choice and mm -hmm. how they worked it. Yeah, I agree. And plus, too, with these last two albums that came out since then, even that really lends a lot of lot more room to play. And uh, Michael Kamen was the first conductor on on the first one, and he is since no longer with us. I understand. And so they had again, you know, with somebody else on board that gave them a new chance to rehash and work out other styles with these tunes as well. So felt like that was a, a fresh change of pace. And, mm -hmm. and even to the way they've refined their live rig since 99 really helps them to be more efficient with stage presence too, because when you're dealing with a symphony, they really rely on the natural acoustics of the space and Metallica, especially 20 years ago, they had amps blaring like crazy then. And when I saw them a year ago, they have, amp heads and models and things like that and they may have some cabinets that are in the stage blaring up at them so they feel the vibration of it but they've got a lot more control where they can hear it internally in their system versus having the whole room shake with actual physical speakers so that probably lent to that ability to blend with the orchestra a lot better this time around too yeah and i i think what you said too about the excitement um with the conductor you could tell when they would talk that there was this genuine partnership that was going on. And I think what you said there too, about <clears throat> working together, you know, if you're in an orchestra and you sit beside somebody and you're both playing the flute or your violins, whatever, you kind of just become in sync. Mm -hmm. And so this one to me felt like when you've got this orchestra, which is totally in sync, and then you've got this group, it's almost like those years between number one and this one, they've become more in sync. And then I don't know the, the whole thing together. It was just so cohesive that it just was amazing. It was so good and seamless. Mm -hmm. um, I think the years have definitely done this well. Yeah. the guitars sound just badass on this too. Yeah. Their, their yes. guitars last year were impeccable. And then just to hear, you know, in, in a mastered setting paired with the orchestra, I was like, gosh, that's just crisp and clean. And, you know, it just seemed, sounded effortless, much mm -hmm. like the symphony as well. Um, so yeah. uh, I, I gave this about four lessons, <laughs> you know, and usually I don't get a chance to pop on an album that often when we do a review, but this one I really ingested pretty hardcore. I, you talk about, yeah, just how it's put together. Uh, it's one thing that I always like about these, the first one and this one, is uh, the way they're able to work out what sound like live improvisations, which if you think about it, with the symphony, and I think they may have spoken on this when they did the first one, but you know they change songs when they play them live as opposed to the recorded version. But mm -hmm. when you're playing with the symphony, you kind of have to have your improvisations, quote unquote, you kind of have to have that mapped out mm -hmm. so they can have it written on their sheet music. Right. So like all of the, the timing, the pauses that they, the extra pauses they make in live versions and stuff like that. Like, I mean, you, they have to plan all of that. Yeah. So you, you look at how long this show was and how many songs and how long the songs are like, that's pretty incredible. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, for sure. And there was like one moment where I noticed, I think it was in one towards the end, you know, he does the fill. He actually had an extra beat pause in there. And, but everybody was on par with it. And it makes me wonder, I didn't get a chance to see the visual aspect. I'd like to watch it and see, was Lars mm-hmm. watching the conductor on that cue or did he just have a second nature and, and the conductor was working in tandem with him? Either way, there were those moments where it just seemed like everybody was just on sync and that conductor was very busy all night you could tell he was just looking around i mean naturally they have to because they're they're guiding the the whole sound of things but it's just so incredible to see the two mindsets come together where metallic is a rock band they hammer out their riffs they've got it down you know by rote internally and everybody else is reading along and that kind of thing so those two different uh hats of, of musicianship are paired together nicely this time around yeah, I love uh, one of my favorite moments like that is uh, it's built into their live version. Like they've done this for years and years and years is on For Whom the Bell Tolls in the verses. He takes an extra long pause mm-hmm. and it, the way they work that into the symphony and it's like the symphony hits a note or two before he comes back in. So uh, it was just, it was really cool. There's yeah. lots of super cool little moments like that throughout this whole thing. Yeah. And I, when they've done it live recently, even, I mean, for a long time to that point where they changed the songs, one of my favorite things is in one, when he sings sticks in me, instead of it kind of following the same, he shouts sticks in me, you know, it just really changes the dynamic yeah. of the tune just enough to, to uh, spice it up and, and really add dramatic flair. And it's, it's cool because a, you know, the idea worked when they released it initially, but then it's evolved and it just has more power. It just comes to their experience and working with this orchestra comes with experience now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I kind of wonder how many times did they get to actually work together prior to the recording? I mean, mm-hmm. was there a lot of rehearsal? Did they, I mean, I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> I've never heard, I've never read anything on the background to see what they did. I, really, I would imagine they touch on that in the, like the video production mm-hmm. part of this, but I would love to see that. Uh, eventually I'm sure I will, but um, I would imagine like wh- I know when they did the first one, they did a behind the scenes thing too. So, you know, I'm sure they probably, I mean, Metallica's, they are the band and i i mean i feel like they record everything they do mm-hmm. so i or document everything they do i should say so i'm sure there's footage of that and they touch on that somewhere right right um so let, it goes without saying the ecstasy of gold that's their mm-hmm. staple intro yeah. but to hear the symphony actually performing it yes holy crap you know mm-hmm. i I know yeah. I keep going back to my experience of seeing them live last year, but you know, when, once you hear that, you start to get the chills. Cause it's like, it's going to happen any second now, you know, mm-hmm. you know, it's impending, but to hear the symphony performing it and then people singing along with it, you know what I mean? It's, that is so yeah, cool. I love that. So damn cool. And then call of Cthulhu was just fantastic. I thought that was so beautifully done. And, um, I've always loved that song anyway. And, you know, you can't help but hear, even though, of course, Mustaine helped co-write it. You hear the clean part, and it's like that's technically the same riff, riff as Hangar 18, but in a different <laughs> sum. But uh, you know, it's still interpreted just so so nicely. Yeah, that one was um, 
I mean, it's it sounds so good. Like it almost sounds like they composed that for this show, for this yeah. event. It's mm-hmm. it's so cool. It's just spot on. And you know, that's another one. That's how they started the first one too. Was it was the same thing? It was Ecstasy of Gold into Call of Cthulhu. So kind of right. you know, cool little nod back. But I mean, it just this one feels better. I exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's cleaner. It's it just it interpreted much better this time around for, for whatever reason, probably, like I said, the, the fact that the live gear changed and the orchestra and the band could blend more nicely and hear each other better. Yeah. Or they're just better musicians at this point. Who knows? Yeah. More practiced. I don't know about better. Maybe I would say more practiced. Mm -hmm. They, they, they've got the machine, you know, it's, it's moving. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, Trying to think of other, other standout moments for me. Um, oh, I've got several. Yeah, I've got, yeah, I've got a number. I think of... I'm, I made notes on almost every song. So. Cool. <laughs> well, we can work through the songs if you want. I, I didn't write it per song, but there were some <clears throat> moments that definitely uh, jumped out. So do you want to go to uh, For Whom the Bell Tolls? Yeah, we already kind of touched on that. Um, I love the uh, the build at the beginning of that song. I love the build into the main riff. Like it, it kind of goes into the like this riff before the main riff, where the da 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 da. When the strings come in on that, oh, that's I mean, it's just perfection. It adds like this whole other dimension to it. Yeah, I. I think one of the things that I love about pretty much every song on here is, you know, you know, I love the orchestra with the stringed instruments. I love the violins and violas and those kind of things. They just sort of, they support what comes in front of it, which I love. And it, it, I don't understand why people would think that these two things don't go together because when you put them together, they sound so brilliant. It's like each part backs up the other part. And, um, I don't know. I, I, I think that everything just works seamlessly with every song. I love that one. Um, I love the next song, The Day That Never Comes, I think was yes, yep. was one of my highlights. Did you guys have that one? Yes. Uh, the the symphony-only intro is awesome because they completely mm. took out yes. the band and what the band would normally play. They They, you know, arranged this symphonic piece instead so that it doesn't i mean it it just replaces it and then and then the band comes in and it's you know i i thought that was very very cool very brilliant and james on the day that never comes awesome fantastic vocal performance yeah i was going to say the exact same thing about that beginning um it's just clever uh the way that they did that and it it kind of comes that whole idea where they where the the orchestra takes over there kind of comes full circle later when Metallica joins to play on a symphonic mm-hmm. song. Yeah, I thought that was really cool where they kind of do the interplay there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was super super interesting. And you know, um, let me take a peek here. I'm, I'm trying to remember the track order. Uh, Memory remains confusion. You know, that was that seemed. I have to go back and listen to it, but it almost seemed like that was more band centric than it was symphonic. They kind of accented yes. it in there, yes. but um, still nice touch. Nonetheless, it was just a, a really cool added layer as well as moth into flame. But I will say it's kind of hard to top 
Moth in the Flame for me after seeing Lady Gaga perform with yeah. Hetfield. Yeah. That was some really kick-ass harmonies and, and uh, energy for that performance. Yeah. Uh, memory remains was awesome i love the uh when when they play that and it's cool i this has to be cool for the members of the symphony because you know i mean what they do they're used more used to uh more like buttoned up proper audiences so yeah. to perform in front of metallica fans and have them you know, I mean, James just lets them sing the memory remains and oh man, that's like goosebump shit right there. I love oh, yeah. it. It's yeah. so cool. You had to have eaten that up. I mean, yeah. not going ape shit for you. I mean, when, you know, you're used to like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Clap, and then you get those people going crazy. They had yeah. to messed up that suite terribly. No, but <laughs> it, it does make you wonder <laughs> that perspective, you know, because it's like, are they as into it as the Metallica fans? Because, I mean, right. of course, you're dealing with musicians of, of technically our generation. They're seasoned players from from you know our era of college and before mm-hmm. even and even after. But nonetheless, you know Metallica has touched them in some fashion. But you know, is it enough that it's a deeply sparked interest like us, or is it just something that yeah. they're familiar with? Kind of like, yeah, I've heard that country song, but I'm not going to go back and revisit it. But hey, a gig. Right. Yeah. But you know, nonetheless, if if even if they weren't fans. They did a damn fine job. Yeah. And you touched on confusion and moth into flame. I confusion is really like, that's one of my least favorite songs, if not least favorite on the hardwired thing. I don't hate the song. It just, you know, it's not one I gravitate to. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really feel like I wanted it here. (laughs) And then moth into flame. I love that song, but this is the one on this album where I'm not sure it really needed the symphonic treatment. Like it was, I didn't feel it was awesome. <laughs> I can see where you're coming from for sure. And uh, <clears throat> again, it's, it's uh, accents and just little runs and things like that versus actually being, you know, like a full symphonic interpretation. The piece with that though, is it's so high energy, you know, with the low, lower guitars and stuff, it's kind of hard for the, the uh, orchestra to um, rearrange that, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It, it would be yeah. tough for them to pull that off. I mean, cause like upright bass and, and, you know, double bass, things like that. Typically uh, it, it does carry well, but I think that the speed of it might get lost in translation. Mm-hmm. I like that actually. I like that one a lot with uh, with the symphony. Yeah, I didn't feel like it lost the energy and the uh, enthusiasm of it, so I thought that was yeah. pretty cool. Now I didn't like it as the next two for me were like the highlights um, of the whole thing, but oh. I still like Moth and Flame. Outlaw Torn is that is probably my favorite song from the Load Reload era. Agreed. I, it's so big and epic and awesome. I love it. Uh, and this this is the kind of song, I think, that lends itself more easily to the symphonic treatment. There's mm-hmm. a lot of room for them to come in and out. There's mm-hmm. a lot to play with. Um, it's a very dynamic song. Um, you know, it builds and ebbs and flows a lot. And I, I love the, um, the, the strings. Uh, it's... It, yeah, they just for on Outlaw Torn, I think they hit um, exactly where they needed to, mm-hmm. and it, it just worked really well. It's a 
slow churning tune so there's a lot of you know it's like a blank page in a lot of ways there's a lot of white space for them to breathe and you know have room to play yeah i for me um what i what i love about this you know so we start off with ecstasy of gold right with that whole clint eastwood kind of vibe or whatever this one uh when you get into the outlaw torn when we think of the symphony and we, we think of it with the, the heavy metal and all of that, we get a lot of the stringed instruments. But this one was one of the first ones where the woodwinds really kicked in, which I think goes back to that first song, which I really love. And you know, typically those woodwinds are there and they support the melody with the stringed instruments. And so I loved the when they came in on this song because I, I didn't pick up Maybe maybe it was there in the earlier ones, but I didn't pick up on it as much. And it was here on this one, and then it went into the next song as well. And I loved having that little extra nuance that we didn't get in those songs before it. Well, yeah. And No Leaf Clover, is that's the one on the first Symphony Metallica. There were two songs that um, I don't know exactly what the history was, but there were two songs that were new for that performance. And they wrote and, them with the orchestra, I believe. Yeah, I think so. And No Leaf Clover was definitely one of them. And I, man, this version is so much better than the, yeah. <laughs> the first mm-hmm. one. I It just feels bigger. It feels just, I don't know. Natural? More natural, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. Yep. And I for agree. them... For them not really playing it, I mean, it was designed to be played with the symphony, so I don't know that they really ever play it. So it's, yeah, to revisit it this much later is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Very, very cool. Let's see, what was the next one? Halo on Fire? Yes. What you got on that one? Um, I I really enjoy this song. I The... You know, the album version on Hardwired, uh, it's so cool. I love the guitars, the riffs, the intensity. Uh, This is another one that kind of ebbs and flows a little bit. Um, And I love James's vocals on this, on the song. This one here, uh, this was another one I could probably leave or take. It's not, it, Mm -hmm. it, it wasn't the dynamics of the song are cool and they kind of, you know, they did a couple of cool things with that, but I just, I, I didn't love it. <clears throat> Same. Yeah. I, I hear you coming from, I think from a live music standpoint, I thought the guitars sounded really good. So that's what stuck out to me. stuck out and stood out. If I can talk, geez Louise, but I really just kind of gravitated toward that and, and enjoyed that moment of it. A hundred percent. Now let's be honest here. It's not like, the new killer's record bad it's just not (laughs) with the brilliance that has come before right i don't want people to like the song it's yeah there's nothing on this album that i hate say that yeah Yeah. okay so that brings us to um the scythian suite right Mm -hmm. well yeah orchestra plays yeah this is set up in two sections and they kind of, you know, this, you come in with this intro and it's Lars talking and whatever. And so this was kind of where they broke it up. There's an intermission. And so then they come back and we, yeah, we get a little talky talk and then into some uh, symphonic music. 
Yeah, I I loved like the first part was just straight up symphony, and it really reminded me of like um, Stravinsky's Rite of Spring or Wagner's Ring Cycle or you know Verdi or something like that. You know, it was really energized and exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second one, I think I alluded to earlier, which was really cool, is that the band then joined the orchestra on a song that was not a Metallica song, but it was an orchestral song. And I, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, the Iron Foundry. Yeah, mm-hmm. bring it on. Can you imagine it's being there live for any of this? No, no. no oh my awesome. God, I'd be blown away. <laughs> yeah, I entered to win tickets to go to this. I thought, you know what? If I don't enter, I won't win. But of course, I didn't. <laughs> We'd be having a different conversation. But uh, yeah, I, I got a ton of emails and text messages from their subscription thread saying, hey, enter to win. And damn it. Yeah. Didn't win? No. I'm not bitter. It would have been just super incredible. And just the fact that the the stage layout is very similar to their live get up where people are kind of in the round around it and able to mm-hmm. be on the ground and close to it, that sort of thing. That's, you know, not the standard fare for orchestral music. You're, you're sitting, you have your program, you got your hands clasped in your lap, you enjoy it, you golf clap, you move on. <laughs> yeah, what little footage I saw, it looked like they're playing kind of their usual setup in the round, maybe a little smaller scale, but and then you had the orchestra kind of outside of their stage setup. Yeah. Almost in like a orchestra pit. Mm-hmm. Kinda. Yeah. And then they had um you know, they didn't it didn't look like they had their elaborate blocks that were moving on the last tour, but it looks yeah. like they had rings with you know images that were kind of paying homage to the moments and the community and that sort of thing still too. So, you know, you got a full stimulated experience sonically and visually. Yeah. I really want to see it. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say that. I think I would pay like super top dollar to be in. I can't imagine what that wall of music just coming at you would feel like. Right. So, so this rolled into my absolute favorite song from Amazing. this project, mm-hmm. Unforgiven 3, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, I liked the song, but it was never one that I really gravitated toward on a regular basis. You know, if I'm picking Metallica songs, I'm not like, ooh, Unforgiven 3. But uh, holy crap, man, this was amazing. And it's just, it. they, I mean, they just really just got rid of the band. Like it's almost, I think I can hear a little bit of Lars in there, maybe, but not much. I mean, it, he never, if, if it is him, this is another reason we need to see it. But if it is him, I mean, he's doing like very minimal stuff. It's not, mm-hmm. he's not doing like, you know, regular drum beat or anything like that. It's really just like, symbols and not not much else but man uh, so it, this is almost all symphony with james singing and good god it is mm-hmm. outstanding outstanding yeah. it's just another instance where james just can command the audience he is such a good front man mm-hmm. that he doesn't need the band i think that's just you know i think at one point we had a question who is your best front man i think jeremy you said it was Papa Hat, right? Or you had him at like your top two. Yeah, and, and, and uh, yeah, how yeah. Good he is. I mean, he can do pretty much whatever, and I think that just goes to show that he's pretty brilliant. 
Yeah. It's just crazy, you know, and I'm sorry I'm recapping my live experience from last year, but it's, you know, still ingrained in my head. It was one of those experiences I'll never forget. And where my nephew and I were standing, we were so close to him all night. You could just really see just how subconscious everything is for him now. Like he's done it so long, it's second nature and he's able to goof off while he's riffing and playing, you know, that sort of thing. So the fact that he's able to pull off this completely new arrangement outside of his, you know, wheel of habits is, is incredible too. Cause it just sounds like he's been doing even this version for 20 plus years. Right. Yeah. And I, I, I really, I like this version better than the original recorded version. I'm not even going to lie. I love it. I, I will be listening to this forever. I, it's so awesome. I think that's awesome when you can take a, a song that exists and then elevate it, you know, which is really cool. Um, all within my hands in the next, right? Yes. And holy cow, this is another one. These <laughs> two, these two are probably my two favorite tracks from this project. And this one was, I've kind of seen them do this, um, with, a do an acoustic version, mm-hmm. which is really cool, which I almost, I mean, this is, I think, uh, yes, it is. This is the only song from the St. Anger era. Right. And, and which, you know, most people don't like, I, I don't hate saying anger. I, there's a lot I don't love, but I, there's a lot there that I do enjoy. And I've always liked this song, but when I saw them do an acoustic version, I was like, Ooh, that's, it kind of reinvented it and it gives it a new life and a different life. And they kind of took that acoustic version that they had done and put it, threw it in with the symphony and man, it just, I mean, it it gave it like a third life. So this song has now it's on its third life and man, it's impressive and I love it. And uh, the arrangement is just amazing. And and, uh, one thing I definitely wanted to point out here was the background vocals Mm -hmm. and which is um, Robert Trujillo and uh kirk hammett Mm -hmm. and they've been doing a lot more they've been really stepping up in recent years with the backing vocals and man they just sound amazing on this song Mm -hmm. yeah it's interesting when you talked about acoustic and so one thing i was thinking uh when i'm listening to this i would have loved to have heard what they would have done with fight fire with fire with that acoustic opening um with that like little like straight up guitar. It always reminds me of the trees with rush. Um, that opening part of that song. I just wonder what they would have done with that, with the orchestra. I don't know. I kind of, kind of would have liked to have seen that. <laughs> Paul, you got anything on this one? Back, in my hands? I'm back. Sorry. I, my daughter came in and had to show off Lego collection stuff that she's built. And, and for the people at home, Paul has been scratching his back with a wooden scratcher. He's uh, doing Lego stuff. He's a very busy man. I am, and uh, I, you doing the mosquitoes got me pretty bad today. So <laughs> it sucks. Off to work, off my ass. Uh, now I was, I'm actually kind of checked out because of that, and so I was ready to talk about anesthesia pulling teeth live. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Holy crap! <laughs> yeah, you liked it, loved it. You know, and I've been. What's funny is, since I've been listening to this, I went and tried to find any live footage that I could find 
uh, plan on ordering the DVD for sure, or Blu-ray to be more succinct and or exact. Um, so from what I saw, it looked like there was a, an electric double bass mm-hmm. uh, being performed for this and, you know, nice homage to the effects, the distortion and the wah and that sort of thing. Yep. So um, makes me wonder if that was somewhat foreign territory for that performer before, you know, having to use pedals on top of the bow technique with it. But, you know, it was very cool to hear and then to hear Lars come in with it and, you know, just sounded like, you know, kill them all. 2020 in that regard yeah and it brought back a lot of memories when i heard that the first time and you know some of the elements that were in that piece are not outside of the classical realm the the arpeggios Mm -hmm. major triads and minor triads that sort of thing so uh cliff was certainly ahead of his time for Mm -hmm. metal and in pulling a lot of that classical element in there and you know it it made me very nostalgic i want to bust out kill them all now and and Mm -hmm even ride the lightning and master puppets just to give cliff Cliff a listen again but um excuse me it's just really cool to hear that you know though he's no longer here how much he is still immortalized Mm -hmm. with with their works and you know everything that they do they make sure there's moments with him involved in in that regard so that just really made me think about that a lot while i was listening to this yeah, he the cellist name. I wish I had written it down. I did not, but they made it. They kind of made it sound like he was, uh, you know, a fan of and very familiar with Cliff's work. So cool. That was probably, you know, touching on what I said before with the the symphony playing for Metallica fans. Like like that. That probably made his career. I can't like he was probably on cloud nine after that. Yeah, no kidding. Not jealous at all. And. <laughs> The, the fact that, you know, he not only did he play it, but it sounded very close to Cliff's style across mm-hmm. the board, too. So yeah. very well done uh, interpreting it and, and, you know, making it so close to the original. That brings us to wherever I may roam, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I really like this, but I don't know. It wasn't a standout for me. I love the solid. Yes, uh, I same. I the only note I really made was I, so yeah. I really love the intro. Uh, that's really the only note I made, and it's like it's super dark and heavy, and then it goes into the sitar effect on the guitar. And I mean, it's cool, but yeah, this it sounds great, but this it wasn't really a standout for me either. Mm-hmm. I really haven't listened to this song a lot since Headbangers Ball. Honestly, when they used to play it all. <laughs> And uh, it kind of wore thin for. I was kind of like my black hole son for the black album. Yeah. Isn't that sad that they can take a song that's really good and make you dislike it because of the amount of play? Burn it to the ground. Yeah. Yeah, It's so sad. Yeah. I will say, though, listening to it now versus 25 ish years ago. (laughs) Anyway, uh, it, it was somewhat fresh again it was fun to to listen to in in that regard but uh it it didn't stand out as much as some of the others we mentioned it's more like 30 next year will be yeah 30 years exactly math don't make me do math (laughs) (laughs) all right next up was one Mm -hmm. okay so i'm gonna go first because i want you guys to finish on a high note but for me this was the letdown on the album (laughs) <laughs> and um, so in this came out in 88. I was a mm-hmm. junior in high school and it was 
I loved, I mean, I listened to this, I can't even tell you how many times. There's something about, it's kind of, there's some sparse parts of this where it's very simple and there's not a lot going on. And that is what makes it more pointed and heavy. I think when you start adding in the extra notes and you, you build up behind it, it kind of changes that a little bit. I like that aspect of it that it was, um, well, I said sparse, but um, there was something very simplistic about it and it was haunting almost. And I think when you add those extra elements, you'll lose that. And so for me, one didn't work as well with an orchestra as it did just with the band. Yeah. I, you're, you're filling space that doesn't need to be filled. And when you fill that space, it changes the entire dynamic and feeling of the song. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Um, yeah, I totally agree with that actually. And I, the, the intro is cool. They always have a cool intro for one. Um, I remember, the first time we saw them in like 94, you know, like the, all the lights go out and they've got the, the sounds of the helicopters and the guns and bombs and they've got strobes going off and pyro and they've always done really cool intros for one. This one is also very cool, but it's a lot more understated than mm -hmm. what they, what they usually do in their own shows, but mm -hmm. it's still cool just to hear kind of the random noises and, you know, a little run of this instrument here and then a little, you know, sprinkle in a little, little of this. And that was really cool. But yeah, I, I agree with you that they, they, there were parts where they added some really cool atmospherics, but yeah, there's parts where they kind of overstep, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's some high notes in the, the string section. It's kind of very legato, if you will, well, fluid and kind of, slides around a little bit almost kind of reminds me of some of the music from 80s shows like v the final battle where they had like <laughs> broad symphony that was kind of bold and, yeah. and and whatnot it was like it really doesn't fit the scene but i mean it, it works don't get me wrong but i think to that point when we saw the video for one you know and it had the strobe mm -hmm. going over their faces and there's the sound of battlefields and stuff a really low brooding tone or some sort of atmospheric texture like that i think would have played a little better to that story but that's just me. And I'm, I'm not making a lot of money off this project. So what do I know? <laughs> yeah. You know what though? If they hadn't put one on here, everybody'd be like, why didn't they play one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They could. Would they though? Would they? I don't know. Yeah, probably. People are haters. Mm -hmm. All right. So that brings us to master of puppets. Not a lot going on there for me. Um, I feel like the symphony. Yeah, made... I don't know that they improved it. Yeah, it, there's like some cool little complimentary enhancements here and there, but I, it's, you know, it, it was okay. Agreed, 100%. It's a great tune, don't get me wrong. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I absolutely love it. Side note, while I was going down my YouTube rabbit hole looking for visuals of this, came across uh, a couple of Howard Stern segments. One, one when they played in uh, 2015, and they were in the studio with him in a real small, intimate setting, just melting his face 20 feet. <laughs> and then the other from August, I think it was August 15th last month, um, they were in their studio remoting in with him. Mm -hmm. It's the first time they'd been together since this whole thing went down. Yeah. And uh, both were just really cool to watch. And what's funny is they did the wherever my, I may roam. They're like, do we start this with the tape? Do we not? You know, talking talk about the sitar part, but they did master puppets 
in studio and the thing that I think I liked most about that, A, I mean, they always do a fantastic job with it, but B, to hear Howard just be so excited to see that in inches away from his face and just, you know, completely blown away by the performance. It's like, I, I would kill to be in his shoes right there. <laughs> I think yeah. it's funny, but I, I mean, it's cool, but I think it's funny because like I kind of almost have to call BS because I have a hard time picturing Robin being a Metallica fan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. But I you mean, never know. She's enthusiastic and may, maybe she appreciates you know, <laughs> them being there and the, the cool vibe but you yeah. know howard is equally blown away with zz top too like yeah you know so some of his vernacular i'll i'll save for you know after the kids go to bed but uh, <laughs> it was it was certainly uh very funny kind of like letterman after he watched mastodon on his show and he's like holy crap very well <laughs> you know that kind of thing <laughs> so but yeah i mean at the end of the day th- this this is cool but you know it, it it, it, the song is i can't i'm getting tongue-tied here but you know the song with or without the symphony it's it's going to be master of puppets it is what it is but yeah. do you think there's a a point where you're like this song should be elevated this should be the one that's elevated not um the outlaw torn you know i mean it's like this is the beast should we like make this one something that's super special i mean i don't know there, there may be some challenges too from from the um, instrumentation standpoint, mm-hmm. the passage that's written is very ergonomic for the guitar. Right. I question, you know, are those same passages going to translate on uh, violin and, and that sort of thing? I'm trying to remember, is the violin tuned reverse from a guitar? I, I don't remember. I'm talking, I'd have to look. I'm, I sound like an idiot right now. But at the end of the day, I think that, you know, some of the physiology may be a challenge for some of those you know passages that they're trying to yeah. mimic those and that kind of thing so maybe that's where the the um differences lie yeah and it could totally be that it's just interesting that we've loved all these other songs and then we get to one in master of puppets and it's like ah, kind of a letdown you know <laughs> <laughs> let's find out what happens with nothing else matters not a letdown <laughs> very good um, yep. I think uh, this is this may be the easiest song of theirs that you know for the symphony to expand upon and add to because um, it's already you know it's a ballad it's slower it's not crazy hyper heavy instrumentation so it's already you know kind of halfway there and. Uh, there, this treatment is, I mean, it's gorgeous. It, it really, really, really works very well. And, and still, it's my favorite guitar solo of all time. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> and James sound excellent. Yep. On this. And he plays the solo. That's one of the reasons I love it so much. Because yeah. <laughs> he doesn't play solos. Yeah, it's very rare when he does. And you know what's really funny too? I'm going back to that live concert. <laughs> he played, you know, they played this tune and he did that solo. And at the end of it, when the note is just kind of sustaining before he goes back into singing, he flipped his hand in a way where he had the Metallica pick and then he flipped it. And so it showed Indianapolis and he get to do the thumbs up and the camera zoomed in and all the screens showed it across the stadium. Oh, awesome. 
people went completely nuts. And then he's got that note just sustaining and he starts singing and he's just moving one finger and playing, the, you know, and underneath it again, it's just all so subconscious for him. It's, you know, it's like the, the instrument is um, umbilical umbilical. That's sure. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was just super, super cool. This song is cool on here as well. And what's funny is I struggle with liking this song because uh, I learned a piece uh, when I was younger, when I was first learning how to play. And it's very similar. It's just the open bottom note and then the top, then it's three notes open too. But it works for what's going on. You know, it's, it's a, uh, it kind of, the passages are very similar, but at the end of the day, it's a completely different feel and a different tune. Yeah. And, you know, then everything just builds up and it gets very rich with the chorus and that sort of thing. So it, it has those moments of minimalism and then it just turns into a full on epic tune. Absolutely. And then we finish with enter Sandman. Have you guys yeah. heard about that? Before? I, I'm I, yeah. Maybe I'm not sure. Have you heard about it? <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah, I didn't love this choice for a closer. I don't. It's not. I it's a know, pleaser. Man. Yeah, it's I like it, the crowd's like, "Oh, understand, man." But I, for this project, like, I would have been much happier with if they would have gone back to. I know they did it on the first one, but like the thing that should not be, mm-hmm. or. I mean, something, almost anything, other than Sandman, mostly just because it doesn't. I don't think it lends itself to this treatment as well as some other choices mm-hmm. might. It did sound great though. Yeah. It absolutely sounded great. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think that just goes back to the, the fact that people love that song. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably their most listener friendly. Wouldn't you say as far as the crossing genres? Definitely. I mean, it's gotta be their biggest hit. I can't imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Any other song being bigger than that. Right. Well, I remember, I, I think you came over to my house and saw the video for the first time. Am I correct? Oh, yeah. 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 I think you, I, I don't know. It. Yeah. I think you recorded it. We didn't, I didn't see that live. Yeah. But yeah, you had recorded the premiere and I came over. And, yeah. Well, I think we did that on a couple songs. Yeah. That was such a crazy time too, because I remember, you know, after Injustice for All, I can't wait for Metallica and looking into magazines, no word on, Metall- you know, that kind of thing for years. And then this came out and then, um, well, it felt like for years, I should say. But, uh, you know, this came out and then it seemed like the next year after that, people who used to dog on me wearing Metallica shirts were all of a sudden wearing sad but true shirts around the school. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so they yeah their audience a little bit. One good thing about that is uh, those T-shirts got a lot of cool puss head artwork out there. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> I, I think this song works as a closer if you're thinking of it in terms of an encore where you come out and play the, yeah. like the last two songs where they're like kind of your popular, uh, your theme, your anthems for the band. I, mm-hmm. I think it works in that regard. And I yeah. think it was just, it sounds so good. It really did. Yeah. yeah. I, m- me saying I would have preferred something else really just comes down to uh, the symphonic treatment of it. Yeah. That that was really, yeah. I mean, I, I don't hate this song. I love this song. Of course I love right. this song, mm-hmm. but um yeah, that that's really it for me. And the crowd participation is always cool on this one, you know, singing the chorus and stuff. And it was so clear. I mean, you could yeah. hear the crowd so clear. It was really great yeah. that they mm-hmm. added that bit. It's funny because you don't hear anything from St. Anger on this. I didn't hear yeah, there is. Is there? Which mm-hmm. one? All within my hands. Oh, okay. With the exception of that. I mean, I really, mm-hmm. I haven't heard much um, 
sorry, you were right. I, I haven't heard much um, live past that tune. I don't think they played. I don't even know if they played that one at the show as I, I was at. So yeah, to- they they kind of work those in and out here and there. Like I've heard, so I think I'm pretty sure I've heard them play Frantic, mm-hmm. um, Saint Anger, maybe one or two others, but they don't play a ton of them. I don't right. think. Yeah. yeah, they they have a lot of uh, tunes to go through, so I'm sure they yeah, yeah. use those the catalog. Fast. Yes, for sure. So boys, looking at the whole, mm-hmm. what would you guys rate this? And would you listen again, Monday? This is I would go probably four point two five, and of, I mean I'm yeah I'll be listening to if nothing else I will be listening to Unforgiven Three on repeat <laughs> for the rest of forever. Awesome, JPP. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a four and a half. I, I should be more generous on it too, but you know, with everything, there's there's room for things that I wanted to hear. But you know, again, who am I? I'm not on this project. I will certainly listen again. I'm I'm going to be ordering the DVD or the Blu-ray, like I said earlier, for sure, so I can enjoy it in the comfort of my own home and uh, turn it up loud when the kid goes to bed. Mm-hmm. Excellent. I'm going to give it a four point seven five. I absolutely love it. I will listen to it again and again and again. Um, I love me some symphony music. And then when you put the two together, man, uh, this was just solid gold. So super excited. Agreed. And what's funny is I'm going to close on a different note. What's funny is after listening to this and kind of going through the YouTube rabbit hole, it got me fired up for some other old school thrash outside of the big four. So I joined a group on Facebook that talks about thrash outside of the big four and including the big four. But um, some people were posting like old pictures of nuclear assault, death angel, heathen. And so my Spotify playlist when I was out in the yard, I brought my little um, Bluetooth boom box out and listened to SNM two at the fir- at first. And it was funny because my neighbor came by and he, he heard, uh, you know, the Scythian suite, he was talking to me for a little bit. And as soon as, you know, something heavy came on, he's like, Oh, Hey, catch you later. <laughs> and then, you know, I popped on heathen was listening to some of those old riffs and uh, I didn't see him the rest of the afternoon, but you know, it was just nice to hear some of the bands that Metallica influenced and, you know, hear their influence on them and that sort of thing. So um, a band with certainly a lot of legacy. And I think somebody shared on our, page the link saying that they had number ones in every decade since they've been out and uh set a record there which was cool and just goes to show you know they work hard they deserve the the top nod yeah it's uh i mean this is a monster monster project and a huge undertaking and i i I will admit when they first announced it i was like "Mm, do we need another one but I, this yes, one blew the other one out of the water. I, I love this one so much more. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed the first one. I like this one a lot more. And the song choices are fantastic. And the songs that they've released since they did that first one in 1999 are just, yeah, there's a lot, a lot more to choose from that work better with that treatment. So very happy with it. Agreed. Yeah. Always buy in when people that I love or have loved for a long time are excited about a new project. Always going to buy it because there's passion there. So for sure. And you see oh. those guys grinning and having a good time when they're doing it these days. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
All right. Well, next week we've got all kinds of uh, crazy stuff going on. We have no idea what it is. So <laughs> come back <laughs> next week to find out. Until then, Mr. Mundy, where can we find you? Uh, just hit me up on Instagram at Metalhead Monday. Excellent. JPP. You can find me on the depths of the internet under Just Plain Paul on Instagram. Also, come over to the Wanderings and Wool Gathering Facebook page and check us out there. And visit our website, wanderingsandwoolgathering.com. We've got our podcast episodes. We have articles. And you can even see our ugly mugs. Well, speak for yourself, JPP. And you can find me, the handsome one, at, uh, on Twitter and Instagram, Foggy's Pal. And you can find Wanderings of Wool Gathering podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, CastBox, Stitcher, and at rock985.com. After you listen, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next week, we'll see you then. Bye now. Bye.